You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Godzilla is a cultural and historical figure deeply rooted in post-World War II Japan, symbolizing the nation's collective fears, anxieties, and reflections of the consequences of nuclear warfare. Introduced in 1954's film Gojira, as us Americans ended up calling it Godzilla, directed by Shiro Honda. Godzilla's origins are closely tied to the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so it's pretty apt that this new movie came out in the same year as Oppenheimer. Fastest sequel greenlit ever. (laughs) You've all seen the memes. You knew it had to happen eventually. I just didn't think it would be this fast. (laughs) Uh, Godzilla is often interpreted as a manifestation of the nuclear trauma experienced by the Japanese people, serving as a metaphor for the destructive power of atomic weapons and the lingering fear of radiation. The impact, the cultural impact of Godzilla is not limited to its metaphorical symbolism. The character has become an integral part of Japanese cinema history with numerous sequels and reboots and Godzilla's roar, his appearance, his iconic theme music, it's all recognizable and contributes to the legacy of this character. This film franchise consists of 38 films. 33 of those are Japanese produced by Toho and five American films, which brings us to Godzilla vs. Kong. No, that's next year. Okay, (laughs) which brings us to Godzilla Minus One, directed, written, and with visual effects by Takashi Yamazaki produced by Toho once again. The premise is 1945, near the end of World War II, a kamikaze pilot, Kochi Shishikashima, I'm going to just apologize up front for brutalizing these wonderful names, (laughs) feigns technical issues with his plane and lands on Odo Island. That night, a dinosaur-like creature, Godzilla, attacks the base, and Shishikashima gets in his plane but cannot shoot the monster and is knocked unconscious. He wakes up to learn that everyone died and only he and Tachibana are the survivors. Fast forward to 46, the war is over. Uh, Shishikashima returns home plagued by survivor's guilt. He works as a minesweeper and begins supporting a woman, Noriko Oshii, whose parents also died in the bombings, and an orphan baby, Akiko, whom Noriko rescued. What unfolds from here is a post-war drama that deals with insane trauma, both personally and culturally, and the enduring pain of a nation who has barely survived one war and now must face the threat of the monstrous and malevolent Godzilla. This is a full reboot, not a sequel to anything that's come before and the closest reboot we've ever gotten to the original. I'm TCD with the Screener Squad, and I am joined by my fellow Monsters of Mayhem, Bradley. Hello! Molina. Hello. And Marco. I'm going to butcher these names just the way Godzilla destroys Ginza. 
<laughs> just letting you know that now. It's going to be just pure mayhem. Chaos. <laughs> Chaos and destruction, but goodness knows we will try to put some respect on their names because, boy, everybody in this movie does a really good job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, folks, that's, I have two questions for you, and feel free to answer at your leisure. What is your relationship with Godzilla as a character, as a franchise, and how high will this be on your top ten of the year? I open the floor. Well, there was that time in college uh, where we roomed together briefly. Uh, he's, a, he's a very messy guy, always smelled like fish, and uh, never flushed the toilet. Oh, bastard. Terrible, terrible roommate. No, I'm kidding, of course. As, as a child, I do remember on TV, there would show blocks of old, badly dubbed kaiju films, very often with Godzilla, sometimes the old black and white Godzilla, the Americanized version with Raymond Burr chewing through sandwiches while he's watching uh, Godzilla chew through Tokyo. <laughs> and, and so for years, I kind of had this idea that it was all kind of light and silly and fun. And then years year later, I saw the 1954 Gojira and really came to appreciate what it is in terms of Japanese cinema. And then 2016's uh, Shin Godzilla came out I felt that was also a very strong entry in the franchise that goes back to the roots mm-hmm. of the original, very much the way Godzilla Minus One does. They're all playing with the same themes and some of the same beats, but they are each three very different films, very different experiences. But both of those two latter films definitely pay a lot of love and respect to that original film and what it meant to Japanese audiences and where it sits in the, their culture. So yeah, I like Godzilla. Brad, I know that you're kind of the mega fan, so I will go ahead of you and just let you bring it home. I think I've maybe seen in my entire life two of the Toho films. I I don't know if I, I saw the first one or the second one, but it was definitely at that point in time where they were using a toy for Godzilla and using a bunch of miniatures. But I saw it young enough to where, of course, it had the effect on me that it did on many kids. I know for a fact that I have seen Roland Emmerich's film but that's all I can really say about it. I don't even remember if I liked it or not. It's been that long. And I am mixed on the uh, more recent Godzilla entries. I like the 2014 one. I love Kong Skull Island. It counts, it does. Uh, I hate King of Monsters. And I really liked Kong versus Godzilla for the unbelievably dumb fun time that it was. So going into this, I expected something closer in spirit to something like we've been getting. And I was very quickly and very pleasantly surprised, despite the fact that light, fun, and silly are not any words that I would use to describe this film. When people joke that this feels like a sequel to Oppenheimer, yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, the, the gravity of this movie. Uh, but Brad, you're you're a fan, is what Melina just divulged to us. Is this true? Are you a super fan? I am. I'd say I'm kind of a super fan. I've always loved kaiju since I was a little boy, you know, watching the Megazords beat Rita's giant monsters. My dad would always rent the VHS tapes. I don't know where he got them. Probably Blockbuster of Godzilla fighting some silly monster, whether it's King Ghidorah or... <laughs> That giant spinning turtle, I want to say Gamera. Gamera, yep. Friends Um, of children. Yes, yes, exactly. Destroying the city, huh? The one that scared me the most was Biolante, which started out just as this basic generic-looking plant monster. And by the end of the film, she morphs into this horrifying, oozy, pussy, bloody, which uh, Shin Godzilla, too, references that type of cool practical work. 
terrifying teeth monster. Ooh. And uh, I really thought that was it. Godzilla's not beating that. And that's the end of Godzilla's <laughs> fun adventures. I became a grown man eventually and learned that Criterion was putting out Gojira, the original. And I was like, oh, I remember that about the American photographer or reporter that tracked down Godzilla. So I bought the Criterion and the Criterion right away is like, this is not that. That was, you've been hoodwinked. Also named Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that Raymond Burr's character, hi, I am Steve Martin yeah. talking to you from the Tokyo. <laughs> so I was appalled. Like, why would they change a Godzilla movie just to appeal to Americans? What studio would change its, its art to appeal to a mass audience? Anyways, I, I was very naive. I still am pretty naive. So I'm watching Gojira. I'm loving it. Uh, as the film progresses, though, I'm starting to notice maybe the horrific existential crisis and undertones. The scene that really got to me and which I learned got to a lot of people is long after Godzilla has left this village and this man in a hazmat suit with a microphone looking device. I forget what it's called, but it detects radiation. Yeah, He's just scanning it over the surviving children and turning to his buddy behind him and shaking his head. No. And I was crushed like is is Godzilla about something more than a giant <laughs> cool dinosaur? And then, of course, the way that... I didn't know that, you had subtext. Yeah, Damn. exactly. And then the way Gojira ends, it's, well, could we create a weapon big enough to destroy a giant nuclear lizard? And if we do, how long before an even bigger weapon destroys us? And that's where I always thought that Oppenheimer kind of ripped off Godzilla. But I suppose uh, <laughs> since that's a real life human being, he gets the credit to have invented the existential crisis of that thought first. The American Prometheus, as it were. Uh, good good book. And uh, yeah, I've just been consuming as much Godzilla as possible since. Uh, I actually bring up, you know, I've talked to Matt Frank about Dragon Ball Z in a review once. Uh, he probably doesn't remember me, but I'm sure I left an impression. And just <laughs> silly things like that. So I'm a very big yes. fan. And Matt Frank, who is a friend of the site, a Godzilla artist and huge kaiju buff, and almost certainly would be on this review, except he's in Japan right now doing huh. Godzilla stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, awesome. we would have asked him to do it. But yeah, to Bradley's point... I mean, look, does anybody remember that old Onion headline about the Titanic, world's biggest metaphor hits iceberg? <laughs> <laughs> well, Godzilla is pretty much the world's second biggest metaphor. And the way Bradley talked about it is absolutely right on the money. Uh, you know, if you think, oh, it's just a bunch of silly rubber suits and, and little... I mean, yes, some of it can be that. Sometimes Godzilla is like a reluctant ally who works with humans and other kaiju to fight a bigger threat. Sometimes he's like your big green buddy, like in the old 70s cartoon show. But that original Godzilla was just a pure metaphor of fear. And even when he's not on screen, you dread his presence. There's nothing fun about it. I mean, it's not like a grim, horrible movie. It's ultimately, I think, a very positive experience. But there's two kinds of Godzilla movies, guys. There's the one where it's like, Godzilla's coming. Hell yeah. Things are going to get fun now. Mm -hmm. And then... Godzilla's coming. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Jesus Christ, please don't come over here. Oh, God, I hope no one gets hurt. This mm -hmm. is more in that second camp where he does represent all of these various fears and anxieties of the Japanese people that anyone can empathize with, especially after you've survived a nuclear attack. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, having just survived that and then having to deal with this now and all of that trauma just comes back. Yeah. Like our government is inept and the bureaucracy is too cumbersome. How do we stop this thing? The Americans are of no help to us in this situation. And it's always about the resilience of the Japanese people about, sticking yes. together and going like, mm-hmm. no one's going to solve this problem but us. It's up to us to deal with this. We are alone on the world stage. How do we solve this problem? Just using our own natural abilities, our, our ingenuity, and our will to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will to survive is so important, at least in my perspective of watching this movie, of why this movie works so damn well. Because it would be real easy to make this just doom and dread and fear. And that's all here. But there's also this 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 hope that's ingrained in all these characters. And to have... Our, our main character, Shishkashima, who is a failed kamikaze pilot, he's a coward. That is, if you could give him one word, he is a coward. Mm-hmm. And you understand why. Because the, the movie does a good job of being like, this wasn't a war any of us wanted to fight. We, we were forced into this situation. We, we are the result of this situation. We don't see a boardroom of generals and, and military men and, and politicians talking about Godzilla. We see the people who are most immediately and deeply affected by this. Mm-hmm. And so you understand why a character like him would be cowardly and afraid of death and, and, and what mortality means and all that. But in yeah. addition to all that, that hope rings through this entire thing. And you, as an audience member, I feel like there were moments of you hold your breath with hope. As, as a scene is about to play out. You exhale with sadness when it doesn't go the way you want it to. And there's plenty of Jaws references in here, which I'd love Melina to talk about, but there is there is weirdly... I don't think we have that time. <laughs> weirdly some fun <laughs> moments in this as well, where you, you can't help but smile in the midst of all this horrible, horrible tragedy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if this movie did break some Godzilla ground for me, so to speak, I think that this is the first time I've seen a Godzilla film where I actually gave a damn about not just who these characters are on a surface level, but what happens to them. Mm-hmm. There's so, so many of the Godzilla films that I do like, I approach them with the same feeling I do a B-grade slasher film where I'm like, I just can't wait to see these people bite <laughs> it in the most <laughs> egregious way possible. Here, not the case. There is never a moment where Godzilla swings his tail or steps on a building to where you're sitting there pumping your fist at it. You're yeah. you're dreading those moments. And when he does destroy a city, which you know you're going to get that, it's heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. It's heartbreaking to see something that is such an allegory for, you know, nuclear attacks. But also, these characters being put right in the middle of it, you're like oh my god, is this person going to make it to the end of this? I really, really don't know, and I want them to. Mm-hmm. Hey Bradley, as our expert Godzilla, well. as our Godzilla expert right here, I'm, do you find yourself more drawn to those fun, campy ones, or do you appreciate the existential crises of these, the, the fewer and deeper meaning ones? Uh, that's a really tough question. Uh, maybe as a child, I loved the, yay, Godzilla can be my friend. And I'd give Godzuki a high five. Yeah, that, I was that kind of a fan. I don't mind that he's a dork. Scrappy, no thanks. But Godzuki's okay. I'm always shocked when a Godzilla film can get you to care about the human beings. Because usually it's the rampage that's fun. Like, yay, look at him crush those buildings. I'd do that if I was a kaiju. (laughs) And then I'd be friends with the pilot of a giant Gundam and we'd fight monsters together. Fun. 
with this, just the fear acting alone of seeing something that is impossible, a giant lizard, had me sold on, well, damn, I hope these, hope these boys make it home, and I hope this town survives the giant impending doom because yeah fear acting it's so difficult when especially when something's not there i'd say in my older age i'm leaning way towards more the existential dread godzilla and i do want to without spoiling anything say there's a lot of hope in this even if that hope is i hope i don't get stepped on so yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's a good place to start <laughs> and just the camaraderie of relying on each other especially in well i guess this will be the end of us moments really shines in this uh there's a sequence where just one of the boys on the on the tugboats suddenly is discovered to be a genius and a scientist <laughs> and you know the guy who would set the hooks would be like did you know that oda was somebody and like, i didn't know that he was a somebody and, you know, on a tugboat with a big-ass lizard swimming after you, hopefully you're somebody to somebody because all you have are the people around you to survive with. And that's where this excelled for me. And I definitely prefer that more than the silliness of Godzilla. I prefer that to Millie Bobby Brown making moon eyes at Godzilla <laughs> for absolutely no fucking reason. He doesn't even know who you are, kid. Relax. <laughs> No, I, I do like Godzilla, this version of Godzilla, which is very much like the first one, where he is a big metaphor. He does symbolize something. And really, if anything, Godzilla isn't a character per se. It, he doesn't really have a personality. He doesn't have an agenda. It's like, I'm sorry I stepped on your house and killed your whole family, but you were in my way. You know, I, I just I just do what I do. He's basically, Godzilla's a disaster. Yeah. He's a weather pattern. He He's a tsunami. He's an earthquake. He's just a walking disaster, and it's completely indifferent towards anybody. I mean, the only time you're going to get a reaction out of it is if you tra- piss him off by trying to blow him up. Then he's mad. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the time, yeah, he doesn't have an agenda. That's what makes him terrifying. It's cruel. It's indifferent. Why does the earthquake, you know, kill one family and the other family down the street survives or like hurricanes? Mm-hmm. It's it's random. It's it's indifferent. And that's terrifying because, you know, not unlike the nuclear bombs, you, you drop one. It's somebody's going to get hurt. It, it doesn't care who you are yeah. or whether you deserve it or not. And that's what's terrifying. What makes this movie hopeful, as TC and uh, has reminded us, is that. It is about those people, all of whom have survived a war, who've already rebuilt this town once, who've dealt with the loss of loved ones, dealt with the shame of being able to not act or do anything. And even the guys on the minesweeper that uh, Shikishima goes to work on, you know, all of those guys, the the captain's a very bitter ex-Navy man, you know, who's sick of all of the death and destruction he saw and of being lied to by his government. You have the young kid who's so naive, you know, he wishes he had been old enough to be in the war. Don't you dare say that. Don't you ever say that. (laughs) But for me, one of my favorite characters, this this is lovely, a little character of the Professor Noda. She says, I built bombs. I built weapons for the military. And here they are on these little old tugboats acting as minesweepers, which they make clear. They're like, well, the Americans put a lot of bo- uh, mines here, but we also put a lot of them ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. And it's a dangerous job. And it's almost like all of these men are in some way trying to do penance for their past participation in the war. And they feel responsible. Like, this is our mess. 
we need to clean it up. And when Godzilla comes back, they're like, well, this is our mess and we have to clean it up. But to TC's point uh, about them fighting in the war, back then they were fighting for an abstraction, something like patriotism or glory of empire. Mm -hmm. And here they're fighting for each other, for the people they love for you know their neighbors and it's really heartwarming this might be the only godzilla film that i kind of had a tear in my eye at some points a little bit (laughs) yeah i'm with you on that i i did not expect going into this that i would leave so emotionally moved by it both the sadness Mm -hmm. of it and the the joyful hope that's in here and yeah these performances are incredible i I know there's people out there like i don't want to read a movie well you're a plebe so the the power of these performances <laughs> is in this setting and and how grounded and grounded in reality it is i know this is a freaking godzilla movie but it's so raw and real and coming from a real genuine place that this this is an excellent companion piece to oppenheimer in a lot of ways i am i said it up front i'm amazed and glad that it came out the same year as this movie because people are fresh in their head having experienced that movie and, and now go see this people and and you have Oppenheimer in your head and now experience it from the other side and I know they aren't exactly sequels to each other but thematically and and what this is discussing is the same thing and, yeah. and now experience it from two very different parts of the world and and Oppenheimer in real life opposed those uh, tests on Bikini Island and on the the naval fleet he's like look we can do this in the lab I can tell you you can save billions of dollars you don't have to actually blow these up right. uh, and also you know there's the cut scene in the movie where he's like and if you do this we could mutate some giant underwater lizard and you know Surprise. I wish they kept that in the movie because <laughs> you know how powerful would that have been if only. If only. <laughs> Oppie, like, we should have listened to you. I'm sorry. Uh, Oppie knew what was up. He knew this could happen. Oh, yeah. You know? well, that was the thing. It's like the scientists who were ironically what made these horrible things come into power were kind of their biggest critics as well. They were like, just because we can do this doesn't mean that we necessarily should be using it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, one of the most famous lines from Oppenheimer, which I know we're not here to review, but one of my favorite lines in that movie is they won't understand it unless they see it Mm. you know it's like he for all intents and purposes hoped that nuclear power just the idea of being able to harness it would be enough to curtail the japanese and get them to surrender it's like we won't we won't even need to use this because they will see the power and that's preventative didn't work out like that it's like yeah all that we're describing about the allegory to you know nuclear testing to you using it as a weapon against civilians it is not buried subtext it is very much it's the reflection that this movie makes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to your point, Marco, that was also one of my favorite things about this was the way that they portrayed Godzilla, not even as a character like he has sort of become over the years. He is, to compare this to Jaws, which yes, I'm definitely going to have to do it. There's no way around it. <laughs> he's just, he's a force of nature. He's not doing this out of malice or or immorality. He is an apex predator who's really only doing this because of what humans have done. It has awoken that instinct in him. And he's basically just an animal who is reacting to this. That's the saddest thing about it. And what makes him both frightening and sympathetic in some ways. The, the neutrality of it. Uh, but I want to get into some final thoughts here. And, and obviously we're sitting here and we're kind of dissecting the movie. But I hear the praise. I hear in all three of you that there was enjoyment in this film. So... Brad, why don't you start with your final thoughts here and, and put a rating on this? Absolutely. 
So I'm going to be like very vague like I do, but a huge win for the human condition and the hope of mankind uh, being better is uh, that gets me every time right in the heart feels. There's a Lord of the Rings quote, which I think sums up the, the whole theme of this movie, especially the characters and the human beings in a Godzilla movie we root for. It's how do you pick up the threads of an old life? How do you go on when in your heart you begin to understand there is no going back? There are some things that time cannot mend and some hurts that go too deep. Gonna make me cry on a review, Brad. Yeah. So by the end of this movie, not just little like wet tears. I was sitting next to my teenage son sobbing. And then I sobbed again when cliche moments of a scene like this kind of take a right turn and show me something new. And it's beautiful that a Godzilla made back in the... 54 would be the first one. Yeah, it could be about like, yeah, love each other because we'll kill each other eventually, all of us. And then for a direct sequel set in that time period to say, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll actually learn to grow together as a family. Maybe. So this is a 10 out of 10 for me, and I can't wait to see the next one. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Marco, why don't you go next? Yeah, I mean, we have been lavishing praise on this film while trying not to talk too much about the plot or reveal anything more than necessary. I do have one little nitpick. It's it's minor, but I've seen this in all of the, the Japanese Godzilla films that we've mentioned, namely Shin and the original, and now this one, which is they have to acknowledge the dropping of the bomb by the Americans but they've always had this kind of distance from it. They're, they're not like, I guess what I'm saying is enough time has gone that, hey, you guys are pissed and it's okay to say how pissed off you are. Because yeah. in every film, I mean, the first one was just made basically at the end of the occupation where they really couldn't say anything critical of America in their media. Shin Godzilla makes a point of going like, well, the Americans are willing to help a little bit, but basically their solution is to drop another nuclear bomb on us, and we're not going to let that happen. And here it's like, well, the American occupation is still very much ongoing. They're like, we can't really get involved because if we send folks, the Soviets are going to think that we're doing something. So you guys are kind of on your own. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you have every reason to be pissed off about uh, what America did to your country. Uh, but you still keep dancing around it. And part of the challenge of that, of course, is they have to deal with all of these characters who served in the military and who fought for the Japanese empire. And, you know, how do you make those characters seem heroic? Uh, Look, long story short is don't ever ally yourself with Hitler and the Nazis because years later, it's going to be really hard to tell stories about your soldiers and make them look patriotic. It's not a good look. I, I wish they would we'd have seen some more of that anger, but it's mostly grief. And yet, as TC and Melina have also pointed out, as have Bradley, there's a lot of joy and hope in this. It's just you got to work to get to it. And uh, these characters are very well realized, and you root for them, even though you know there's a chance they're not going to make it. But hey, it comes down to we're finally fighting for something worthwhile, and it turns out to be the Japanese people are fighting for themselves and for their own survival. And it's a testament to their resilience and their ability to survive incredible hardships. Uh, This is definitely a a fantastic entry in the franchise. Effects-wise, Godzilla is terrifying. 
He looks credible. You never doubt that he's there and that he is going to do something terrible to you. He suffuses every frame of the picture with dread, is what I'm trying to say, even when he's not on screen. This is absolutely worth seeing in a theater if you have an opportunity. Hopefully you don't have to drive as far as Bradley did. He's the real hero here. <laughs> I I drove two minutes to go see this movie. Bradley drove two hours to go see this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I have to give this nine and a half out of ten dead fish floating on the surface. (laughs) Wow, it's a coelacanth death cult. Obscure (laughs) joke. You'll get it if you've seen Gorgo. Yeah, no, I won't beat around the bush. This came in and found itself a very comfy spot on my top ten of the year. I will probably have to see it again to decide where it's going to rank exactly, but it's definitely up there. And that's saying something. This has been a very, very good year for me. I absolutely love this for all the reasons that we've discussed, the underlying metaphor, the camaraderie between these characters that you genuinely care about. You get an actually a very riveting and very heart-wrenching drama in the middle of a monster movie, and it works incredibly well. And Godzilla is a frightening, unexplainable, and unpredictable force of nature as he started out and should always be. Absolutely a reason why I am glad that this is being lovingly compared to Jaws, because everything that I love about how that movie does that, this does as well. Fantastic performances. I mean, I definitely was tearing up quite a few times in this. I am dying to go back and see it again. And yes, do pair this with Oppenheimer. It actually is quite a, it's quite a perfect double feature. Really is. Yeah, absolutely 10 out of 10 regenerating scales. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'll echo all three of you. Uh, I will also add to Brad and the tears. By the end of this movie, I just sat through the credits. I saw it alone and just sat there crying through the credits, both uplifting tears and 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 sadness tears and just this amalgamation of all the emotions Uh, this is one of my favorite movies of the year this is a 10 out of 10 Uh, this is great please please if you can see this on the big screen it deserves to be seen big and loud if you watch this on your phone you've failed at life (laughs) so wow so Hey, I saw that Lord of the Rings for the first time. It wasn't very impressive. I watched it on my Samsung Galaxy, so I don't know what everyone was raving about. All right. Thank you three for joining me for this review. I'm glad we could get everyone in. Uh, Bradley, your four-hour round trip to see this movie, I hope you know now it was well worth it. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Did you give your final rating, TC? I did. 10 out of 10. Oh. Yeah. Okay, you did say 10 out of 10. I'm sorry. I was looking at something I, I else. suppose if I need to put a, a funny little thing on it, I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Smile, you son of a bitch. Yeah. God damn it. I was hoping someone would do that. Yes. <laughs> Again, I, I'm just, 